Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing well. Right. Thank you. Good. Good. Doing well. Good. But, you know, they're passing out money again. Uh, they had to hurry things up. There was an emergency. <laughs> so they got together, Democrats and Republicans, mostly Democrats, though, and they found some money. So uh, they're, they're still having... But they never send us any. No, I was hoping Matter of fact, the government's in trouble now because they're not sending the uh, checks that where people overpaid, sending their b- yeah. overfunds back. And the government now, the rule is, is if they're holding your money, they have to pay interest. Now, this is an additional, oh, yeah, that'll help. <laughs> additional expense on the government. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll start uh, straightening out their budget pretty soon. We should change the name of our show to Ukraine, and then maybe we <laughs> yeah, would get a couple of yeah, billion dollars. They get a couple of dollars, <laughs> and you have some neat statistics about, uh, about the Ukrainian military budget. So um, we uh, have a neat little quote uh, uh, I want to start without because of this major vote last night. You know the uh, forty billion that, uh, and, and I guess the president only asked for thirty-three billion. I know how that goes. Country <laughs> poor. It's a poor country, but uh, it, ne- it needed the cash flow. I mean, I mean the military-industrial complex <laughs> needed it to be a vehicle for building up their coffers and their, their financial coffers. Now, did that ever happen to you when you were in high school and you were going to go to a dance and you said, "Hey, Dad, can I have a dollar to get into this dance?" He said, "No, you're <laughs> have ten. Ten dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah. Always got more." <coughs> but uh, let me go ahead and re- Let's put up re- that first quote. Re- yeah. re- read this quote because. It gets us really started on on the subject of why they had this rush vote last night. There it is. Uh, Counting last night's rush votes, Congress has now spent more money on Ukraine in six months than we spend on all U.S. roads and bridges in a year. Something to think about the next time you are stuck in traffic or re- or replacing a bent rim. Wow! So that that is, that is a, a a big problem, and I keep thinking, you know, what the uh, the highway the highway system is a big deal. It used to be that you spent money overseas. Uh, or domestically on your highways, you sort of work through uh, watching the Constitution. But, you know, even that, going to war and fixing roads really doesn't need a whole lot of appropriations because there's always a national security issue. The first time I learned about using national security for roads was when uh, Eisenhower, who was a decent fellow, sometimes spent more money than I thought Republicans should, but he... uh, he said that he wanted this uh, national system of highways. Everybody loves that because you can get a road and uh, you get on one of these fancy federal highways, figuring they don't cost anything. And But he had to justify it by the Constitution, so he said it was for national defense. And th- that's what they do. National security is everything. And last night uh, on this rush vote, uh, they I don't know, maybe somebody, somebody like Thomas would probably mention that uh, uh, who's really profiting by this, uh, the military-industrial complex, but they, they rushed it through. And uh, let, let me let me t- read just a second on the points that Delora, who is the chairman of that committee, brought this up. And she, she explained to it, so I was trying to convince you that maybe we're on the wrong track, yeah. and I want you to think about this. She says it's going to, we need it quickly. We have to protect democracy. Not only in uh, not only in Ukraine, but around the world. 
And uh, this money is going to decrease Russian aggression. Well, we don't like aggressors, so we have to be for that. And then, of course, everybody is for national security. So if this is going to help our national security, holy man, we got to be for that. And, uh, and we have to have a strong, blinded uh, uh, dedication to uh, supporting uh, Ukraine. So all, all these things are, are their arguments, and, and they, they go to bad sleeping well, they did good. They, yeah. they, were, they were doing the Lord's work, and, and they were able to steal enough money from one group and give it to another one, and the politicians get rewarded. But what we're hoping is it's coming to an end, and I think we're going to mention a poll in a little bit showing maybe the people are sick and tired of this. Maybe uh, it isn't the easy thing to just say, oh, I support anything you say if it's national security. I think uh, that people are, are sick and tired and they're waking up. They did wake up to a large degree with all the messing around with uh, uh, the medical treatment that the bureaucrats were passing on and, and finally got tired of what they were doing with this uh, over COVID. Yeah, you know, the word democracy is now a lot like disinformation. It means what I say it means, you know, at any <laughs> situational uh, time. Uh, and this is the case with Ukraine, obviously, because this is a government that came to power indirectly uh, through anti-democratic means. The democratic government was overthrown in 2014. As we've said, till we're blue in the face. This government was a result of that. And what happened when the, when the coup happened is, of course, the opposition parties were banned and their leaders were jailed. Uh, we don't get that here yet. We may get that... Um, but we don't have it here yet. Uh, but even just currently in the past six months, we've seen the main opposition party in Ukraine banned, completely banned. We've seen all opposition media shut down, and we reported on that when it happened. Well, they did it for national security reasons. <laughs> shut down all the, all the media, shut down all the opposition parties, yet we're giving them all this money uh, to support democracy. It's pretty interesting. You know, our friend Glenn Greenwald, because you and I have sort of labored over this. Is it another 40 billion this week? 300 million, you know, the number sometimes it starts to add up. Well, he has a good article, and we have a little excerpt on ronpaulinstitute.org where he breaks it down, the different, and this is just from February 26th. And I'll just, I should have made a clip, but I didn't. But here, I'll just read it out. And these are all cited with, uh, with hyperlinks, Reuters, New York Times, etc. February 26th, Biden approves 360 million in military aid for Ukraine. March 16th, Biden announces 800 million in military aid from Ukraine. March 30th, Ukraine to receive an additional 500 million in aid from the U.S. April 12th, U.S. to announce 750 million more in weapons for Ukraine. May 6th, Biden announces new 150 million dollar weapons package for Ukraine. On and on it goes. Literally every week, millions and millions. And now we see we finally have 40 billion in a big chunk. I would say sent to Ukraine, but it's not. It's actually sent to Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and all the weapons manufacturers. You know, a lot of times in Congress uh, when they were doing something a little more sincerely than what we're talking about right now, that there would be some social and economic problems uh, overseas. And we had to, for moral reasons, uh, get involved and make sure they don't mistreat their people and protect civil liberties against citizens of all the countries of the world. And my argument always was, well, first, we don't have the authority to do it. And uh, it usually never works. And they usually think makes makes things worse. And I say, if, if we're sincere about 
about trying to clean up our act and and uh, living up to our responsibility, we'd be de dealing with the infractions here in this country. And that was back when things weren't nearly as bad as they are now. Yeah. I mean, now uh, everybody's aware of the fact that uh, our freedom of speech and press and, and just expression uh, is, uh, you know, uh, under attack. And the big question is, is can it be reversed and when can it be reversed and what will the reversal do? Because uh, the, the establishment people, the woke people are entrenched in so many places. I keep thinking, how could they, how can they stand up and continue to do this? But they do and they just smile away and uh, more and more people are outraged. But uh, unfortunately, the message we hear, if you just listen to the major uh, government-approved networks, you're, you're listening to just all this uh, propaganda. And uh, it isn't an easy uh, thing to overcome. But still, pointing out the truth of the matter is the only tool that we have, and it's powerful. Ideas do matter, and that's what we will continue to do. Yeah, we'll do our best. But let's put this next one up because this is from uh, CBS News, I think, citing an AP. But I, I put this up because the, for a couple of reasons. This is House approves $40 billion Ukraine aid beefing up Biden request. This is war money. This is money that goes directly to the war machine. As we know, Dr. Paul, it's to beef up the Stinger production, beef up the Javelin production, <laughs> beef up all these things. And if you look at this picture, there's a couple of very depressing, I will say, very depressing things, Dr. Paul, if you look closely. You'll remember Jim McGovern. You were up on the podium with him many times in anti-war coalition. When the Republicans were in power, you, Jim McGovern, and then you see Barbara Lee on the right. She is so anti-war, she voted against going into Afghanistan and took a lot of heat. You have been on the podium with those two members of Congress many, many times while Bush was in office to oppose wars. You leave that up there just for a second. And here you see them up here in front with Nancy Pelosi, now that the Democrats are in power, voting for money that will lead us closer to World War III. Barbara Lee still has her mask on. She's probably quadruple vaxxed. That's a different issue. But on a personal level, I had a lot of respect for those two. I really viewed them as genuinely anti-war. And now we see at the end of the day, they are absolute hypocrites. If Kucinich were there... I would, uh, I would shoot myself. I, I would say, oh yeah, but I don't, I think if he was still in Congress, uh, he and I might be standing in the back talking and, and getting a minute or two to express ourselves, yeah, which yeah. happened on a few occasions. Well, no, that's... Uh, that's bad news. That's that's really disappointing. It is really, disappointing. Really, because uh, Barbara, I think, was very, very sincere. She was. <clears throat> I don't know what... And uh, I have had discussion with her and other progressives about, uh, you, you know, the sanctions business and the freezing of assets, because they did like that, believing that was, uh, you know, one step removed from sending in the troops and yeah. getting people killed. But this is a big step forward to being involved in financing a, a, another worthless war. And, you know, you, you want, I would be fascinated to really understand the mechanism, but it's probably just a political explanation. You know, well, we have to stand together. You have to be a team. Yeah. I remember how they would use that against people who vacillated. Are you going to be a team member, aren't you? If you weren't a team member, that's you're going to get maybe kicked off your committee, yeah. and we're not going to help you raise money. How are you going to get reelected? Be a team member. A so team member. it must be that's this whole thing about team membership that finally puts them in a position. That it also might mean that the Democrats are saying. 
we're really in trouble. We yeah. can't have any dissenters now at all, and, and that's why we're starting to see people that we could work with and talk with uh, in the past. And I could see the two of them twisting themselves into a pretzel shape, thinking, well, we're opposing Russian aggression. And I can understand, certainly, one opposes, uh, you know, violent. But if she were being sincere, and if McGovern were being sincere, they could still criticize what Russia has done, but at the same time, in equal measure, say, why have we been sending billions of dollars in weapons over the past eight years into Ukraine under the guise of NATO and USAID? Why are we arming them to the teeth and then goading them on? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And then you start a war and say, wow, we didn't see that coming. You know, the one thing, if the progressives understood, they would be with us on so many more issues. Because all this nonsense of all the spending, uh, they are for, but they, they don't believe deficits matter. And they don't, taxes, you can tax the rich, but the people who suffer the most, the people who may be dragged into the war, the people who have to pay the bills, it's an inflationary tax, and when would there be a better opportunity to find out why the, the average person, and, and that group is getting bigger and bigger, it yeah. used to be just the, the, the very poor, uh, the low middle income. But it's, it's more people. And now, you know, middle income is over $100,000, yeah, yeah. you know. And they're starting to say, how can I afford to pay for my gasoline, you know, which is true. Yes. And some of them can't keep up their work or, or, or pay for household help and uh, babysitting and all this. It, the whole thing is adding up. But the progressives should know that they're, when they go along with this kind of stuff, any kind of spending, of course, we would go along with the spending for the so-called welfare redistribution will stop the big corporation. Yeah. yeah did, it, did it stop the pharmaceuticals? I mean, the, the liberals were the, the biggest instigators of this. The progressives loved it. Yeah, terrible. I want to throw a couple of stats out before we move on to the next topic, which is related. But let's put this up. I looked up in Statista because I was curious. We've sent Ukraine a total of $53 billion in uh, military and other aid oh, just since the, inflation, uh, since the invasion. This is from Statista reporting on Ukraine's entire military budget. And they say Ukraine's military expenditure was estimated at $5.94 billion U.S. dollars in 2021. So we have, um, so we have spent, my math is not good here, eight times more than eight times their entire yearly military budget we have given them in just a couple of months. Eight times their whole budget we've handed to them in that. And you tell me how much is going to be stolen by oligarchs, how much is going to go down the black hole of the military industrial complex and their team of lobbyists all over Capitol Hill, how much is going to go to all of this eight times their whole budget. It's unbelievable. It's hard to understand. You know, a long time ago, there was an earthquake, I think it was in Italy, and uh, immediately, within days, there was an appropriation bill, uh, you know, to send money and help them, yeah. which, is, which is good. But American people are very good at helping people like that in trouble, and the donations pour in. So I was, uh, went down there and spoke out against it. And there was, I didn't know that there was an Italian caucus uh, there. Uh, and so, so they hit me hard. They had a special order just to lambast me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and uh, because, of course, I, I would say, well, what I said was, you know, with the mafia running this thing, this thing is going to be a 
Boone Dog, we're not going to waste the money. About six months later, there was this big headline about exactly what happened was the money was totally wasted, never helped the people that it was intended to help. But everybody felt better for the, good, felt better. good about it. Oh, look at oh, his, that, that Ron Paul's nuts. Yeah. He, he, done, he didn't even want us to send our money. I didn't want them to waste their money. So. Yeah. Look how generous we are with someone else's money. Right. Well, you know, one other thing along uh, on uh, Biden and this inflation and uh, the spending of this money, um, maybe maybe he's changing his tune. He changes his tactics. Uh, did I read it correctly that he sent Jill over there to smooth things off? Oh, yeah. yeah so with his share, actually, she deserves, uh, she, she's more credible, you know. She can speak. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but anyway, she, I, I was surprised that there was a quote uh, about her because she was over. I thought, did she say that? Or did Joe say that? <laughs> we got to find out who's saying what. Who's you know? saying what. But let's skip ahead to then and let's talk about this because in the light of how much money we've dumped down this pit, Biden comes out today or yesterday. Put this up if you can't. Skip ahead. Sorry, skip that one because there's not enough time. Here's Biden. President Biden has vowed that tackling spiraling inflation <laughs> was his top domestic priority. Well, it's gotten his attention, yeah. but uh, when you go when you go over the details of his of his plan, I don't think very many Austrian economists are going to jump on the bandwagon, because uh, you know I don't think uh, uh, there are many people that uh, buy into that. Fortunately. But they still don't quite understand the message that motivated me to get into politicking, or at least talking about these issues. And that was the economic matters and inflation. The 70s uh, was an interesting decade, and, uh, and, and yet uh, it was the minority number of uh, Congress or uh, number of people who would actually understand this. And... Um, you know, in studying economics with uh, Leonard Reed of the Foundation for Economic Education, he he said something to me that sort of reassured me. And I talk to I talk to myself when uh, I hear somebody expressing themselves. You're concerned. How are we going to do this? Yeah. And I say, and, and his was. Numbers are not the whole thing. It's the message, it's the determination, and who's leading the way. And uh, for the most of the time, the, the people follow somebody else. You don't convert, what he's saying is, you don't convert 51% of the people, they elect a new Congress, and they quit spending. Yeah. Now, he, there, was, uh, there was no uh, enthusiasm, and I believe that. I've, I've been there. But I do strongly believe that there are benefits, and that's why I was more hopeful, less hopeful today because you gave me that bad news about <laughs> some of my friends who threw in the towel and yeah. said, well, in this case, this is important. So, uh, and, and he didn't listen to any of your statistics that you just <laughs> gave on how much money we've spent there. And uh, it, that, that is a little bit depressing. I hate to see it going in the wrong direction. And that's what, that's what does happen. And we did talk about it last week that Americans, according to a poll, and we're going to talk about it, another new poll in a second, but they aren't buying the fact that this is all Putin's price hike. They're blaming Biden. It's not working. It's not taking. So that's pretty interesting. And speaking of, of that, let's move ahead, if you're ready, to the shock poll. Right. And put that one up. This is the Democracy Institute Express poll. I think they do it monthly. But they did a poll. Uh, 1,500 Americans, likely voters, they asked a number of questions. And the interesting thing is that the Express, this newspaper, 
uh, is very, very pro-Ukraine. And they, they, when they say shock poll, it means they are shocked and depressed. But here's the headline. Shock poll reveals Americans, quote, are okay with Ukraine losing, end quote, the war with Putin's Russia. And let's look at some of, these, uh, some of these charts here. Let's look at the next one. The question is, the U.S. lets Ukraine lose to Russia. How do you feel about it? 43% said, I'm okay with that. I don't care. Only 41% say, I'm not okay. And you might look at that as R&D voters. I don't know. But let's look at the next one. And this is also interesting. What's the greatest threat to America? Who's the greatest threat to America? You would think that Russia would be by a long shot. No. China, 40, 42%. Iran, 20%. North Korea, 18 Russia, 16 So Americans feel less threatened by Russia than even North Korea. And here's the one more, by the way. Uh, let's look at this one. And this is, if I were Biden's people reading this, I would be very worried. Who is hurt more by sanctions on Russia? 44% said Russia. But 53% said America is getting hurt by these stupid sanctions. I really like this poll. I don't care. I just think it's... No, I, I think that's great because that's been my argument, generally speaking, of the unintended consequences. Most of the time you're doing opposite. Then you're also sacrificing your liberty and your concept of the Constitution. So there's, there's no practical reason. I used to say that you should be able to go to the House floor and argue your case, uh, you, you know, on the Constitution and uh, also the practicality of it and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the legality of the whole thing. And then I said, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Even the practical arguments, probably one of the strongest, this is what it's going to do. But, but then, then they lie to you. They, they say, well, if you do this, it's good things will happen. And they don't understand unintended consequences, especially of an inflated system. So they, uh, they, 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 they just say, go ahead and do it. And uh, the unintended consequences are, are really what, what is the big deal. So when, uh, when, when they do this, they end up, you know, just making things much worse. But I found out that uh, the, the real movers and shakers, this, this is, listen carefully, you're going to be shocked because I have an opinion. <laughs> and my opinion is that it's the system that we have devised under interventionism, inflationism, and debtism that we created all the special interests that the progressives, if they couldn't, you, you know, uh, spend more money and, 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 you know, have more welfare, they should understand that the system creates the special interests. And I can recall early on and I was shocked I was wow so you'd walk down to the desk and they said this, this is what you're voting on Mr. Member Congress nobody nine times out of ten and they didn't know what they were going to vote on on the way over so they look at this and they this is the vote was going to be here and then they would list the, all the companies and special interests that supported it and all the companies that opposed it and they were supposed to you know weigh on this I wonder if I have that in my company oh, I'll call my staff do we have a, a company in there so that that was that was the final decision making it was a political decision and uh, of course uh, when when companies uh, like Raytheon and and others benefit tremendously for years uh, uh, you know their job is well, our job is to produce a product and take care of our stockholders. Yeah. 
Now we'll take a little top off, a little bit off the top first. Yeah. Yeah, here's a good idea. Maybe the members of Congress should wear on their blazers, they should have patches of their sponsors, like in NASCAR, right? <laughs> yeah. I got Raytheon. You'd be the only one with a clean blazer, right? <laughs> but, you know, the, these, these, um, these poll numbers are very surprising, especially when you consider uh, how the propaganda has been so strong on this. Any voice that's questioning the, the conventional wisdom has been erased from social media. Mainstream media, forget it. Fox News, just as bad as MSNBC. So that makes it particularly remarkable that people are not buying this. It kind of restores my faith a little bit in the American people that they forget it. I don't buy it. Yeah, you know? if you get rid of the extraneous propaganda, which is, is conceivable, well, you can do it. But if you get, uh, get a group to people and they're willing to listen, uh, I think they're very receptive. I, I had a good experience when I was uh, doing a little bit of campaigning because I thought the reception for the message of liberty was rather good. You know, I wasn't, I never walked away. You know, a few people would come out to hear me and I would uh, give them my two cents worth. And I always, I always thought that uh, I didn't walk away saying, oh, that was so depressing. <laughs> no, nobody wants to hear about it. And uh, I found, I found in enthusiasm you know for it that's uh, maybe I'm just kidding myself but I tell you what it's more fun being optimistic yeah. than it is to be pessimistic and, and what you're going to dwell on so you tell that me that is our goal telling me well then our last story for today Dr. Paul is pretty scary because we have to report about an insurrection there is an insurrection oh. in the country uh, we have a new general who's leading this insurrection uh, let's go ahead and put up that next clip General Lightfoot is on the march uh, she's mad about the Supreme Court. She's not going to take it anymore. She says to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, the Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment, quote, has to be a call to arms. That is a loaded statement. You think, oh, maybe she's a little hot under the collar. I don't know. You know, maybe she's just using the turn of phrase. Well, let's look at the next one. Oh, my gosh, she's at it again. We will not surrender our rights without a fight. A fight to victory. Now, can you imagine, Dr. Paul, if Trump on January 6th says, okay, guys, everyone out there, we got to save the election. This is a call to arms. We must fight, fight to victory. You know, then they would might have a little bit of a point that he was inciting something. But here she is out in the open. It, um, it seems like uh, the definitions flip around and change <laughs> according to what they want to say. And then the way they're handled depends on, you know, who's, who's running uh, the, the uh, system uh, that the neocons control, you know, the uh, economic system, not only the economic system, but uh, all the media. And then, they, then that's when you get all of this distortion. Uh, the... Uh, you know, I think that uh, this is actual insurrection. She isn't. She's committing a crime that they would uh, give uh, uh, Trump the, the electric chair if they could. Yeah, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. The um, but the, but the thing of it is, they pretend that uh, you know they make up the story. Uh, through lies by the FBI and the CIA that there was a coup approaching like on January 6th. I mean, 90% of that is all make-up stuff and there was some civil disobedience, but there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a, a real coup. They had one person with a gun and, uh, and, and they shot one person and had nothing to do with uh, anybody demonstrating for Donald Trump. Yeah. So, 
But the, the, the coup thing and, and the insurrections, I mean, if you expand the definition of the insurrections and the coups that we have supported uh, around the world, especially in this century, and longer, all the way back, you know, to 1953, uh, we've been supporting coups and, and takeovers all along, that this is, uh, this is something, but when you add them up on worldwide, but we've had them here at home. You know, in my mind, the day that I remember as being very, very concerned. No, I have to qualify that. I was very, very concerned and annoyed. That was uh, November 22nd, 1963, mm -hmm. uh, the assassination of Kennedy. Uh, I knew there was a great deal of significance because, you know, I was in the Air Force at the time. And so it did, uh, it, it did you know, make a big impression on me. But uh, I, I think that, uh, that, that what has changed is truth has leaked out steadily. And there's, uh, I've been fascinated to read many, many books on, on, uh, on an assessment of this. And the one thing is, there's a strain that, that there's a lot of overlapping, a lot of agreement, some disagreement, a lot of details here and details there. But the American people, uh, you know, it has, it has been pervasive. And I don't believe, you know, millions and millions of people have read, read these books. Uh, but but out there, the sentiment has changed. Now, now it's like, what? I've, I've seen them up as high as 75, 80% of people don't believe the government on what happened. Well, what was that then? And if you look and read the people that seem to be pretty well informed on this, I call it a coup. Yeah, I, I call it a coup, and uh, and and the uh, the way the government switched over f from Kennedy on to the next, and the war issue was a big issue. I I just think that uh, uh, is uh, is so so clear cut. But uh, that is an ancient history. But I the reason I bring it up is. I'm not sure things are much better. They might be a little bit more sophisticated, but we haven't let up on the coups around the world. I mean, we are a king, king of the coup ships. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're there, we're involved. And the question is, and you pointed out, the disastrous blindness of printing money and stealing wealth from middle class and the poor to go over there and, and uh, work the continuation of a coup that's been going on. Matter of fact, I was reading recently, some of this coup stuff with Ukraine started right after World War II. You know, it's been going on. But of course, we date the real current one from uh, 2014. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, uh, they're, they're right now, I don't know how these polls show, but uh, maybe there is a shift. Maybe there's more people saying, why go to war uh, for to beat up on Russia uh, over Ukraine? Uh, it, it, you know, it's uh, who's who's going to suffer the most? Well, the American people are going to suffer the most if it's if it's our money and our coup, uh, because I, I think there would be a lot less war if we had no entangling alliances existing. But if they did exist, never join them, and that we give up on the pretense that we can rule the world by main, doing whatever is necessary to maintain the reserve currency of the world and sort of work the deal financially and, and, uh, and also uh, uh, militarily that people will obey us yeah. and uh, maintaining that. But that's where we're seeing the edges fraying. Both in the foreign policy, there's been loss of support for this our foreign policy, and there certainly is a lot of loss in in our dollar uh, because uh, the the vote there is 
how much how many dollars you need to fill your gas tank yeah. that, that's the big issue that's painful well i tend to be a, a pessimist and a depressive so uh, <laughs> but i do want to close and i haven't done this in a while with a clip and a video clip and it's a good news story because you know Ger germany at first was hesitant about sending heavy equipment sending weapons to ukraine they didn't want to get involved in it they've They've been there, right? They've done that with Russia. They didn't want to do it again. Uh, but then uh, uh, Olaf Scholz, a very, very weak leader with no background and, and no real job in the past, he, cow he broke and he cowed and he said, okay, we're going to go ahead and send whatever you want. Well, the foreign minister, uh, a, a woman, Baerbrock, she was in Cologne over the weekend. Uh, Green Party, they used to be pro-peace. Remember, that's how they were formed. No, they're all pro-war. They're all... Barbara Lee now, unfortunately, that she went to Cologne and she was going to give a triumphant speech on the wonderful foreign policy of the Schultz government, the SDP, you know, the Social Democrats who were the left pro-peace and the Green Party, uh, now the mostly pro-war. Well, when she got there, things didn't work out like she thought they would. And we can put up that tweet and I will read, in Germany, the protests against arms deliveries are getting stronger. Today, Foreign Minister Baerbock, if we can put that up, spoke in Cologne with a large police contingent. She could hardly be understood. Whistles, boos, and phrases like warmonger, liar, and get lost are chanted. Let's just watch about 20 seconds of this. It's in German, but this is a universal language, Dr. Paul. <laughs> The point is that she couldn't even get a word in edgewise because they were furious. They didn't want her to speak. They're sick of it. So that's good news, I think. Very, very good. We, we needed that one, too. We needed that yes. one, yeah. We needed that one. And uh, I also would like to thank our viewers once again for tuning in today. And uh, I want to close with just an emphasis on how do we pay for all this? And I I've been talking about that for a long time. Matter of fact, the subject of paying for the bills of big government was the motivation for me to speak out a good many years ago. Now it's decades ago. And uh, in spite of the problems having developed and gotten much worse when you look at deficits and all, there's a lot more understanding by a larger number of people, although still a strict minority, the understanding of the true problem, the true cause of the problems that we have. And of course, excessive spending uh, causes uh, debt and debt uh, causes people to cheat and go and default on their mo monetary promises. So it was on August 15, 1971, when we declared the initial stage of our financial bankruptcy because we had promised the world that the dollar was as good as gold and it would always be redeemable at $35 an ounce. Well, that ended then, and that was when a bell went off for me and I said, things are going to get a lot worse. And they have steadily gotten worse. They've, it has survived a little bit better than I thought it would, but there's been a lot of pain and suffering. There's been a lot of wars fought off with, uh, uh, with the fiat money. And that is one of the major reasons why we shouldn't have fiat money. There's a lot of problems with welfareism and all these special interest things that help run up the debt. But uh, it's extremely bad for us to finance wars, to wars that are unnecessary, have absolutely nothing to do with our national security and makes us less secure. 
So, and, and that could not happen if we were an honest com country and we had honest money where you would have to get the money from the people if you wanted to march off to a new war. So the answers are out there. They're not difficult. Uh, they're difficult politically, but they're not complicated where you can't understand uh, you know, a little bit of common sense on why sound money, which the founders promoted, uh, could not be accepted. The day will come when we will be making another decision on what we should do with the monetary system. And I'll do my very best to continue my efforts to, uh, you know, promote the cause of sound money and personal liberty. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.